0: Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are
1: your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today we have with us Coot Blackson. He is a bold voice and leader for the new generation of seekers. His book, You Are The One, is a unique message that will inspire you to fulfill your full potential and create the life you want. His book is endorsed by many New York best-selling authors like Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup of the Soul, Marianne Williamson, Don Miguel Ruiz, John Gray. Keith's vision is to assist people in living the wild free fall that is life with arms wide open, living each moment completely fresh and alive, to dare to pick up the instrument that is your heart and play it fully. We are super excited for him to share his very amazing story with us, how he got to where he is today. He actually comes from Ghana and he landed here in the United States. How long ago?
2: About 20 years ago.
1: And you came here with what, two suitcases and just hopes and dreams?
2: Exactly. American dream.
0: Your resume is amazing. I mean, you've even been on Larry King, for God's sakes. Like, what an honor that we get to interview you. So like, thank you for being here today.
1: Why don't you share with us what yeah. your life was, was like in Ghana and how it is
2: today? Yeah, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was always a citizen of the world. I never felt like I was from one particular place. I always felt like at the deepest level, we're all the same. We all have the same wants, needs, desires, and we all want the same things, ultimately, you know, as a humanity. From a very young age, I always felt a deep calling to make a difference in people's lives. I remember being age five, and I I remember feeling a deep desire to make a difference. I didn't know what that would look like. I didn't know the form. I didn't know I'd be doing kind of what I would be doing now, but I felt... I was a very sensitive kid, so I really felt people's pain. I felt mm-hmm. I would look I would look around, and I would feel people suffering. I would feel people's depression. I feel people, even though they weren't speaking about it. I'd look around growing up in London, and I'd look around. And it just it didn't seem like people were truly happy, you know. And and so they seemed to have everything, you know, money and and, and a home and wealth, but people didn't seem to be very happy. And so uh, that really touched me, and I always felt a deep desire to do something about it. And The other thing that really affected me as a young boy was one of my first memories was literally i was a chubby kid and i saw a crippled woman crawling on the floor and she picks up the sand that this man walks on wipes it on her face and stands up and you could call that a miracle and so week after week i grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear the same man who who sand she picked up would literally look at a a woman in a wheelchair and say Why are you in this wheelchair? You're not Mm. sick. Stand up, look at a blind person, a blind man, and put his hands on them and say, You know, open your eyes. And and so these were miracles that I grew up with. This was sort of my my upbringing. And this man was my father. And so my father was kind of considered the miracle man of Africa, Uh, built 300 churches in Africa, a huge church in London. So for me, at age eight, being a very sort of precocious kid, I was thrown in front of the audience one day, and that's when my speaking career started, you could say. And age eight, I started speaking in front of my father's audiences, 5,000 people, age 14. I was ordained as a minister. Uh, That's kind of where a whole other journey began. But here's the thing. I started reading many self-help books from the age of eight, or the self-help books from people like Wayne Dye. Age eight, yeah. Uh, My my first self-help book was a book by, uh, it was called... uh, Creative visualization by a woman called Shakti Gawain, one of the original pre-secret, pre-law of attraction. It was like one of the original books, and if you can see it and believe it, it was the uh, like the original book on sort of visualization techniques that's become so popular now. And so, this became my passion from eight to eighteen. I read like wow. eight hundred books, and I became obsessed with trying to understand <laughs> who am I and what's the purpose of life and you know what's the meaning of life and why we here and Is it just to wake up, go to sleep, make money, drive a car, go on vacation, eat, sleep, have sex, make babies and then die? I I just felt like surely there is more to this existence than just existing, you know? So for me, I started to ask myself, what is the purpose of all of this? What is the purpose of life? Why are we here? And so when I was 14, I was ordained by my father and announced this to his hundreds of thousands of followers, my son is taking over. And honestly, I did not feel my heart um, sank at 14. Yeah, my heart no sank. No way. Uh, imagine this 14 year old kid. I'm on stage. I am. And my father says, My son is the next, you know, blah, 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 blah taking over 5,000 people in the audience. The word spreads to hundreds of thousands of people in Africa. I'm kind of coronated like the next thing. And I'm yeah. on stage going, What the hell is going on? You know, <laughs> <laughs> my father and I, we never spoke about it and I always wanted to make a difference. You know, I always, but yeah. I just knew deep inside of my heart that it wasn't through the structure of the church, nothing wrong with it. It wasn't through my father's organization, nothing wrong with it. I just knew deep down that that wasn't my path. It wasn't my destiny in this lifetime. But the truth is, I didn't really have the courage to tell my father the truth. As a young kid, I I felt like if I told my father the truth, if I dared to be who I was, if I dared to be authentic, that I would lose his love, that I would be alone. For about four years, I mean, I went through tremendous sort of internal turmoil. You know, there's something to be said that I think deep down, we all at the deepest level, we know what the truth is. We sometimes deny, we sometimes act confused, There is a part of us that at the deepest level knows everything we know when something's off. We know when a relationship's off. We know when we're not living in alignment with our purpose. We know when we're compromising ourselves because it just doesn't feel right inside of us. But so many times that I learned the hard way, One of the things that keeps us stuck or unhappy are all the ways we lie to ourselves, all the ways we BS ourselves, all the ways we don't tell the truth to ourselves about what we really feel. We constantly second-guess ourselves, Mm, you know, mm, maybe this relationship is maybe it could work maybe it's not so bad maybe maybe they can change when deep down we know it's not a line you know we're we're staying in a job that we 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 know is not that what we're here to do and what i found is we sometimes use gratitude to not really own our truth oh I, i should be i should be grateful i'm grateful when deep down that kind of is an excuse to really own our truth so i think what i found from a very young age to really be free to really be fulfilled you can't be truly happy living someone else's life. You can't be truly happy being someone that you're not. You can't be truly fulfilled and happy living a lie. And so I think to really begin shifting one's life, to begin transforming one's life, what we have to be willing to do is have the courage to tell the truth, courage to be honest with ourselves, who we are and what we're feeling. And that's the process I kind of went through because 14 entire life was set out for me. Uh, I chose at 18, I chose not to go to university. I was the only, another popular decision. (laughs) No, no, everyone thought I was literally crazy. Uh, Looked into my future, and I saw that I could be successful by everyone else's standards, make everyone else happy, but it felt like a soul suicide. And I realized if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my truth, if I didn't have my soul, I was just dying anyway. And yet I was being called in this other direction. You know, sometimes we feel a calling in another, in another direction. And I always tell people, if you want to be happy, be honest with yourself, truthful, live truth. If you want to be happy, do not take the convenient path. Follow your soul. Because sometimes we take the, what's the convenient path now in this moment to fit in, to be approved, to be loved. But in the long run, the convenient path tends to work out to be not so convenient. And so I looked into my future and I, I felt called into another direction that I had no idea where the hell it was taking me. Just something was pulling me in this direction. Yeah, it was so strong, it was so real, I had no idea. And so I made the crazy choice to follow that path. And that path led me to kind of where I am now. And I had a conversation with my father, told him I wasn't gonna be taking over his churches and his whole operation oh that didn't go over too well we didn't speak for about two years literally
0: oh my gosh wow. Yeah.
2: sometimes people think that when you follow your purpose like the roses come out and the unicorns fly and everything is effortless but sometimes right. when you follow your true purpose that's when the challenges begin and sometimes when the challenges start people tend to think oh i i, I, t- I made the wrong decision i'm on the wrong path but i actually believe that those challenges are simply challenges that your soul has called to you that the universe has sent you to really prepare you for your true soul purpose and so i was faced with so many challenges and i felt a calling to come to america had no college degree had no money had no support from my father i ended up winning a green card in the green card lottery five million people apply from around the world I was one of like 40, 30 000 to 40,000 people. No way. Random, random.
0: I, I never knew there was even such a thing. I didn't
2: even know there was such a thing. But to me, that just goes to show when you really follow your truth, when you really follow what's aligned, when you really have the courage to follow what's true, that's when I have found, even though the path isn't always easy, the universe supports you. There is a support from the universe and uh, sometimes it doesn't lead you to where you expect. End up winning this green card, come to the US, a thousand dollars, literally, if not probably eight hundred dollars to be honest. Uh, two suitcases, one suitcase full of clothes, one suitcase full of uh, books, and uh, at that time, audio tapes of people like Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy, and you know, all those guys came to Los Angeles, and that's when my journey began. I wanted to find mentors and teachers, and all of the heroes I've been reading about since I was a kid Louis Hay, Deepak Chopra. Uh, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, uh, uh, Marianne Williamson, Dan Millman, Wayne. I wanted to find all of these guys, and a lot of them haven't lost my book I yeah. mean,
1: which is absolutely such an achievement, and you made it happen. You did manifest everything. You believed it. The universe supported you, and you accepted it. Yeah. And honestly, twenty twenty four. Coot for president. I mean, you are such an amazing speaker. I'm telling you, that's, I guess, the one thing that you kept from what you learned as a child speaking yes. in front of the audience. Yes. I mean, I could see her listen to you all day. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. You.
2: Let's,
1: You know what, let's talk about that. Your
0: grandfather and your father were both speakers. Is that yes. correct?
2: My grandfather was a, spe- was a minister and a healer. Had his own churches, then my father started his own thing, became even bigger. And so I kind of I just went in a whole different direction. And uh, so, yeah, I started speaking. You know, what people don't realize is people think, oh, cool, you're, you're a gifted speaker. Here's a myth. Oh, you're a gifted speaker. You were just born that way. Wow, lucky you, bless you. You won a lottery of genetic something. What people don't realize is I think we all have the potentiality for whether it's speaking, we all have the potentiality for greatness. It is a seed encoded inside of every one of us because what we are from is the infinite itself. It is the essence of what we are. But we just get conditioned. What people don't realize is, which I often don't talk about, is we live behind my father's church and have a lot of money. And as a young boy, I come home, go for a run in the cold in London, I would read those of motivational, inspirational, self-help books at around 9, 10 o'clock at night. And as a young, you know, started from age 11 to 18, I would literally sneak into my father's church in pitch black. The lights were off, so no one knew. And I would speak to the empty chairs for hours and hours, literally giving, if you imagine this 11-year-old kid giving seminars to the empty chairs, imagine he was in hotel ballroom in Madison Square Garden and seeing all these people laughing and inspired and crying and yeah you know, like that's where I honed my craft that's where I like before I was 18 I spoke yes I spoke on some Sundays but I was speaking literally every single day to the empty chairs for two three hours a day on weekends for three four hours practicing giving my gift it really doesn't matter if anyone was there or not I was still giving my gift and so I believe that there's no Luck. There's no shortcuts to greatness. Sometimes when we see people that are great at something, they will, like, oh, they're so lucky. And I believe that that's kind of like a cop out. You know, it's easier to say, ah, oh, they're lucky. Then we don't have to own our own greatness because we can put it on someone else. But I believe we're living in a day and age today where if the world needs us. You know, we're going through some challenges right now. We're going through some difficult times on planet, in America, and on planet Earth. And so more than ever, I believe that believe that we can no longer point someone else and say, wow, that person is the one, that one's coming, it's going to be us. And so we all have the potential, whether it's to speak, whether it's to create, whether it's to, we all have a voice. And so I think we all have to look inside and step up and everyone wants to be great, but everyone's willing to do the work that it takes and to cultivate the structure and the discipline in their life to dedicate, to commit, to devote themselves, to practice so that they can really access The potential and greatness inside and so we all we all have the potential
0: i wanted to ask you can you describe to our listeners what your soul is like
2: my soul is like your soul there is no difference between my soul and your soul because the soul is beyond identity the soul is beyond name form age the soul just is so to me, the soul is beyond labels and description. And so what I am is what you are. And at that level, our souls are ultimately one. You know, it's not a Ghanaian soul, uh, African soul, a Japanese soul, a male. It's just soul. And that is a sort of expression of the divine. Beautiful. Pure, light, energy which is what you are, you know? It's like soul looking at soul, looking at soul, looking at soul. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What a beautiful world it would be if we could just see that and not this physical body, you know? We'd have so much more compassion if we could just see each other as energy and as souls.
2: Yeah, I think part of what we are here to wake up to in this incarnation is that deep realization of what we really are, what we truly are. And I think we incarnate because, you know, and every single experience and every single relationship and every single aspect of life is really an opportunity whether it's a relationship, whether it's a challenge, whether it's a difficulty, whether it's a breakup, whether it's a, you know, whatever it might be, a job, every single experience is really here for the awakening of our souls, so that we can wake up to what we really are more than anything, you know. And so I think when we realize that truth, not only do we experience, you know, we're so conditioned from the moment we're born to believe the idea that we are simply this name, this form, this personality, this identity, essentially this ego, which in and of itself isn't real but we're so conditioned by society, by parents, be this way, you know, our culture and our country and media conditioning us, conditioning us. And then we get so identified to ourselves as this physicalized body only. The more we get trapped in the illusion of I'm separate from you and I'm separate from you and we're all separate. It's really not true, you know? And so I think the real awakening is awake to the inherent oneness of all things i thought 2020 has been a spiritual awakening year yeah a profound spiritually evolutionary year on one level that it's forced us to stop going outside in the same way we were fixated outside and it's mm-hmm. forced us to stop to be still to slow down to let go of all the places we tend to Identify as, oh, that's me, my job, my car, my clothes, my identity, my what have you, my friends. And now, in the same way, we haven't been able to quite indulge those things quite in the same way. And that's turned us inside. And so I believe as though we've been forced to go inside to connect with, okay, as aspects of my life fall away and as things change, what is real? Like what is really real? And at the deep level, if I'm not my job and I'm not my bank account, then who the hell am I really? And I think that's a profound question that we've we've been asking for centuries, but in a very accelerated way right now, we're being invited in this sort of spiritual global meditation that is 2020 to sit with who am I? Like really, who thought I was that? I thought I was that. Am I that? Am I that? That's gone. So I think it's a, a, Mm -hmm. we we are going through a profound spiritual awakening into like never before, a shedding, a rebirth, a transformation. I would invite everyone during this time, let go of everything that is not in alignment with your highest self. If you want to be free, let go of everyone that is not in alignment with who you truly are, with your authentic self of everything and everyone that is not truly aligned with where your soul is seeking to go. Because the next level of your life, the next level of your expression will require the next level of you. And you can't really be the old version of you. The old version of you won't make it to the next level. And so I think many times we get afraid as we see things falling apart and we kind of try to hold on to what worked. We try to hold to our past and all that does is keep us stuck. And so during this time, as challenging as it can be, assist by the transformational process. If we remember that the purpose of life is ultimately our soul's growth and evolution, the real purpose of life beyond making money and going to work and what have you is the evolution of our souls, then it's not so much about what out here in the world from a sort of standard definition of success. It becomes mm-hmm. more, more about In any situation, in any moment, in any experience, am I evolving? Am I waking up to more of my true self? Am I evolving more into my authentic nature, my true sense of soul, as you both call it? Am I really waking up to that sense of soul? And so I think the real purpose of life, it gives us the ability, no matter what is happening on the surface or on the material level of life, to go through experiences with a different viewpoint, to go through experiences with a different lens, And so it's less about, that worked, that didn't work, what's happening on the surface, success and failure, and more about, what is my soul seeking to learn in this experience? What is my soul seeking to learn in this relationship? Am I learning the lessons I need to learn in this relationship so I can experience more freedom within myself? Then it moves from, like, why me, which is a kind of victim position to, like, why? We focus on the why, the why as in, like, what's the lesson? And I think when we learn the lesson, where we are in any given situation or relationship, then we start transcending that that level. We trans- start transcending that experience, and that's when we sort of elevate our consciousness. And when we elevate our consciousness, uh, then we experience that the next level of relationship and and experience, and and we start attracting to us the next level of of experiences.
0: Whenever my favorite quotes that you wrote, what the pressure you put on yourself to get to the place that you think you should be will rob you of the joy of fully experiencing where you are now. And I think that was beautifully written. And it's so true. It's just learning to be present and really enjoying this very moment.
2: Yeah. is ultimately all we have anyway, right? This moment mm-hmm. is ultimately the only guarantee you know we mm-hmm. think there's another moment we think there is tomorrow we think there's going to be next year we think we we assume truth is i'm sure there were lots of folks that in the beginning of 2020 thought they were going to live till 2021 that aren't alive i'm sure there was many folks that you know in 9 11 had no idea that they weren't going to come home yeah the only the only moment we have is this moment i was thinking the other day about this whole concept of like unclarity And sometimes there's a pressure, like you have to like know where you're going and you've got to be clear where you're going. Truth is, many times we only think that we know where we're going, but where we think we're going is not really where we're truly meant to be. And where we think we're going, filtered through the lens of our own ego, we can't really see the entire picture. Where we think we're going is really not where we're going, it's just a projection of where, of where we think we're going, right? Sometimes I believe that there is a wisdom, a gift in actually being willing to embrace the unknown to not know. We are constantly from the mind trying to- Needing to know. Needing to know and figure yeah. out everything tomorrow uh, I ain't no, like that. Let me, let me get my astrologer and let me get my psychic and what is my two <laughs> and let me speak to my friend and, and, and my best friend and oh my god let me figure right. it. 2020 right. has totally screwed everything up you go to your tarot card turn left oh turn left right. no, yeah. no. <laughs> let me do it again turn right turn right but it just said turn left and we don't yeah. know what else to do and so i think there is a wisdom to actually live in this world vulnerably with humility embracing the unknown the degree of yeah freedom you experience in life is in that proportion with your ability to dance in the unknown. Sometimes I believe that the universe doesn't give you clarity intentionally, intentionally doesn't give you clarity. And that is because that is just the opportunity for you to be in the moment Mm -hmm. and experience the moment as fully as possible. And when we don't have the clarity and we're able to experience the moment as fully as possible, then all that's left to do is trust that if we're willing to show up with an openness, Mm -hmm. the next moment leads to the next moment, leads to the next moment, and we will just be guided to the next moment. Sometimes when we think we know, we already start projecting into the future and we start actually closing ourselves off because no, 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 no. I already know what this relationship means i already know she's the one he's the one i already know it's not the one and the truth is the moment we start knowing and becoming so sure about something we start yeah. becoming close to the infinite possibilities of the universe right. how many times have we been so sure about what something was mm-hmm. and then it turned out to not be
1: <laughs> right yeah yeah, <laughs> or how how badly you wanted it with all of your heart and your soul, right. it was your world. Yeah. And then you're, you get it and you're like, wait, what?
2: Yeah, yeah. What?
1: But and, you know, here's the thing I'm seeing and and to see if you follow me. So Mandy and I were in our 40s, mid 40s. Well, conditioned parents, that's for sure. I think the generation right above them were very amicable, I'd say, conditioned. So my parents were a little looser, you a little bit more hippier. And then, of course, we, you know, came into, you know, the era of music videos and, you know, cable TV. And we got to see more worldly things. So we're a little bit more open. We allowed our children, right, to be a little less conditioned. And especially, I think, now the parents are really allowing their children and, you know, not choosing their future before they're born. But here's the thing you have this generation these late later millennials into whatever the next generation is called. They don't have the structure that we had, even though it wasn't cool that anyone had structured out our lives. Right. I mean, it's not cool that I coming from Louisiana assumed my role as a woman in the kitchen taking care of her children and husband where some people you know they had to go to this college or do this like you you know or you being a, a, a minister we broke those things which is great and we're allowing our children to have that space right that we said we need rather than letting the world control us but where's the structure for them they're almost like the generation in between
2: Here's what I would say. I believe that inside of us is an intelligence. We are born with an intelligence, an innate intelligence that is divine. That divine spark is inside of every one of us. I just wanna back up and talk a bit about conditioning first, cause you're speaking <laughs> to a bit of conditioning and then I'm gonna come around. When we're born, you know, you look into a child's eyes. I mean, this is God looking at you, you know, they're like divine. A child will jump on the table and crawl around and it's naked. It's not like, oh, am I fat? Do you like me? It's just like freedom. You know, a child doesn't really know, oh, bad. It's just full of love. You know, a a child will sing and cry and what have you. It's not thinking, oh, I'm not Celine Dion or Bruno Mars. (laughs) It's just fully expressed. We are a spark of the infinite. We are a spark of the divine, that kind of unconditioned essence we're born into this human existence. The challenge is we're born into an environment that is already preconditioned. Right, the environment right. is preconditioned based. So, so we're born, and we mean our parents, you know, and our parents are just doing the best that they can do based on their right. life, and their yes. based on their right. upbringing, and based on their yes. culture, and based on their generation on some level it's not really that personal it's just conditioned. so right. we're, now we're plucked into and our parents are just kind of crazy in their own way right <laughs> and and we're born into an environment where there's pain there's trauma there's hurt there's there's abuse uh-huh. there's neglect we're abandoned we there's alcoholism there's all sorts of dynamics that we're born into in this human experience is inescapable and so two things happen with these bright beings we're born into this conditioned box a conditioned family somewhat dysfunctional box and groove and two things happen. The first thing is we start as children shutting down and suppressing parts of ourselves because it's so painful. That is crazy. Mom is, you know, not present, you know, dad is an alcoholic. Mums, mums, mom and dad are fighting whatever it is mental illness so we start shutting down parts of ourselves and our feeling capacity in order to not feel the pain of what is happening in this system so we start shutting mm-hmm. down suppressing suppressing, suppressing all of the unfelt feelings and emotions start getting stored inside of our psyche and kind of begin to cover up our pure light our soul
0: yeah right
2: essence and so our soul kind of starts getting covered and buried under sort of layers and layers and layers of pain hurt guilt trauma shame that we've kind of learned to suppress growing up at first survival then we start going into the world and we start also developing a way of being the sense of who do i need to be in order to be loved by mom and dad who who do I need to be in order to get my dad's love? Oh, I can be perfect. I can be a preacher. I can be a nice boy. I can be a responsible one. Oh, so we start contorting ourselves. We start yeah. disowning parts of our authenticity, parts of our true soul's oh. expression and contorting ourselves to fit in, get love, be approved, be validated so we avoid feelings, pain, hurt, guilt, and then we start contorting ourselves. And before you know it, we have contorted ourselves into a certain shape to really survive. That's it. It's it's pure survival. We get so identified as this thing that we've learned to be that we think this is who we are. The version of ourselves that we've become. No, no, I'm just independent. I'm just angry. I'm just this way. I'm just, I'm just, this is just who I am. But the truth is, is who we are, who we really are, or is it simply who we've been conditioned to be? Most of us, we never question our conditioning. We just think this is me. And I'm simply saying, no, it's not. Most of us, we've just become conditioned versions of ourselves. And based on who we mistakenly have been conditioned to be that we think we are we are now either setting goals and a vision and a life based on the conditioned version of ourselves that is not you the conditioned version of ourselves or now we are in reaction i'm going to play video games i'm just going to i'm going to do this i'm going to do that and we don't realize we're either conditioned in a certain way going towards or conditioned a certain way in reaction to something and we're not truly aligned. And so I don't believe it's necessary to control or force someone to be something. I believe that every single soul is pure intelligence. Every single soul is a manifestation of the divine and inside of every individuate soul is its own intelligence that knows how to fulfill itself and its own unique destiny in this lifetime the challenge is the more we get conditioned the conditioning prevents the flow of the natural soul's expression from organically and transparently and fluidly expressing itself because it hits all the layers of conditioning so that pure light can't shine naturally because we're contorted and it hits all the contortions. And so many times people often feel like, I feel like there's so much inside of me that can't come out because the contortion of our conditioned personality prevents expression of our souls. It's not about trying to make ourselves be anything. Your kids, Have an intelligence. If you are able to provide, okay, structure, provide the space for your children, the space of loving, of compassion, the space where you as a parent see who they really are. Because your kids are constantly in a world where they're being reminded who they're not, who they're not. media is telling them, you're not enough. You're not enough. You're just this body. You're just, you know, you're this, you're that, you're not enough, you're enough. But if you be this way, and so one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids is not to try and condition who we think they should be, but see the perfection of who they are so that whenever they look into your eyes, they see the mirror remembrance, reminding them, you are soul. You are infinite. You are divine you are whole, you are perfect, you are complete. That is the greatest gift you can give them. The challenge is, as parents, you can't really do that if you aren't remembering who you are yourself. So one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is not simply what we do. One of the greatest gifts we can give our children is to heal our own mental, emotional, traumas and baggages so that we can be clear and reflect that clarity to them. Because what I have found is many times your children will unconsciously act out, play out your unresolved issues. And so the greatest gift you can give your kids is not like forcing them to be something, but it's to clear your own shit. So you can be a clear space of love, reflect the perfection back to them. So they're reminded of that perfection that stays alive and activated then that intelligence in them, like there's an intelligence in you that if you eat lunch or breakfast, it knows how to digest itself, right? You don't have to go, oh, digest, digest, digest. It just, it knows how to digest. There is an intelligence that also knows how to fulfill itself to your kids. Obviously, you have to provide, you know, a house and give them food and clothing and basic structure. But I believe that Their souls don't just belong to you. Their souls belong to the universe. And so the more you provide that space and reflect back to them who they are, you provide the opportunity for the soul's intelligence, truly, not conditioned version, the soul's intelligence to blossom, how it needs to blossom in the way it needs to blossom that might even surprise you as a parent.
1: In their own time. Because who made up the times that you're supposed to do all this shit? not your divine soul your divine has its own timing who yes, said so, you had to be that by this age so the more you, the, the
2: more world you can, says um, the uh, perfection i see you i yes. see your soul i right. see you perfect i believe in you to remind them of that because yeah. the world is constantly reinforcing what they're not you're yeah. not enough We're so the right. great lie that we are walking around that is a that is a program in our consciousness is you are not enough that yeah, creates a deep shame inside. I'm not enough. I hate to go there, but I, I don't offend anyone. But even you know, from religion, it starts with you're a sinner. You, you know, essentially, you are bad. You are. Ba-. It's like where does it? My identity is is bad. You know, and and, yeah. and so it starts with this idea of you're not enough. And media preys on that idea that you're not enough. But 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 hey you just buy this iPhone, you're going to be enough. You know, hey, you just wear, you know, you wear these underpants, you're going to be enough. You buy these socks, you're going to be great. You drive this car, you're going to be great. And it's not true. And so I think we have to wake up to that. And so the greatest gift you can give is, I see who you are. I worked with a kid many, many, many years ago when I was doing a lot of one-on-one work. The parents flew this kid in from, from Mexico. He was nine years old and they said, our kid is the devil. He's the devil, the devil incarnate basically he's an evil child we don't know what to what to do with this kid he hates his dad he flips off the teachers he tells his dad i wish you were never my father and we need some help
0: it kind of sounds like me when i was young
2: yeah i said you know and you turned out okay look right and and, yeah let me work with him and so i'm i'm expecting a kid with horns to show up in my office the kid shows up spends a few hours with me and then a month the sweetest kid, I swear, the sweetest kid I've ever met. What I realized, there is a dynamic many times with children that is an unspoken, psychic, invisible dynamic. When they're born, they're in touch with a wisdom, an intuition. They're in touch with a deep knowing of who they, they just come from a different state of being, right? The divine consciousness. And so they're still in touch with that, the sense of I'm divine. So what I found with children when I work with them is there's a very strange feeling inside of many kids that they don't even know they're feeling, where they feel their divinity. The whole world reinforces the opposite. So it, it there's an internal psychic confusion, like I'm divine, but no one sees it. Unspoken confusion that happens for many kids. Like It doesn't make sense. It kind of like makes many kids kind of crazy, not in a bad way. Just, just I'm divine. No one sees it. Doesn't make sense. I'm confused. And I think it can throw a lot of kids off. One of the greatest gifts is I see who you are. See your divinity. Yeah.
0: My husband is very in corporate America and he's all about my son. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what you do. Now you go to college for four years, then you get your master's degree and then you jump into corporate world immediately. And I'm over here like, he wants to get a van and travel to all the national parks all over the you know, United States for a couple of years before he jumps into getting a job. And I think that that's so beautiful that he wants to do that
2: let him do and it. go out
0: and enjoy
1: nature.
2: Let him, let, let, let him do it because the reality is if he does start a corporate job, he probably will never have that opportunity again. And there will always be a deep energetic resentment or regret in his consciousness that he never did that. And what I found is many times when we're forced to be something that we're not, there will often be an unconscious sabotage of what we end up creating. You look at like, for instance, Tiger Woods, okay? From a very young age, not that he didn't have a gift, but condition, condition, condition. And all of a sudden, what did he do? Just blew the whole thing up. To me, that was an unconscious impulse for freedom inside of him saying, no yeah. more. So, so wow. I don't agree, I, I'm do not i not agreeing with kind of how he went about it, but I'm just pointing out that many times when we sabotage, procrastinate, or, or sort of blow up our experience, mm-hmm. there's something inside of us that is seeking a deeper level of authenticity. And the only way we know how to get that is to like blow shit up.
1: I sent my son three of your videos that I found on YouTube last night because it's stuff that him and I have been talking about. And, you know, sometimes when your parents telling you, you're like, oh, God, here we go again. But if you hear it from someone else, and especially a male, like it, it does make a difference for him. There was another guest that we had on a while back that he really, really liked. And I'm like, well, should I freaking tell him that stuff all the time? You know, but he <laughs> hears it better <laughs> from someone else. Which is yeah. fine, whatever. But he is yeah. starting to open up to me more. But it, I think when you were talking, I also just want to point out you're also talking about love, like not loving yourself with conditions, not loving others with conditions. You know, so often we tell ourselves, I love you only if you are successful or only if you're skinny or beautiful or making money. I think it's such a powerful thing to be able to truly unconditionally love yourself and acceptance.
2: Yeah. for this journey. Yeah, that's the foundation. Yeah,
1: And, and love is always the foundation, isn't it? Uh,
2: that is the we foundation for, for all healing, to the willingness to bring love to all of those parts of ourselves that are hurting. Bring love and compassion to those parts of ourselves that are hurting. And how do we know? Because we get pissed off, we get triggered. When we feel the hurt, that's not bad. Get excited because it's just showing you where there is opportunity for healing. And the more we're able to bring compassion and loving to ourselves, the more healing Mm -hmm. can happen. And that's really why we're here, you know, as human beings, we're not here to be perfect. If we're here to be perfect, we wouldn't need to incarnate. We're here to experience life and remember who we are. And so we're going to, I don't even wanna say make mistakes. We're gonna have experiences that we needed to have to help us evolve. And some of those experiences in that moment We judge so harshly, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But we don't realize we have to have those experiences because usually it's only down the road when we look back that we realize how that experience, that screw up, that mistake, fits into the overall tapestry of the perfection of the art piece that is our life. And so Mm -hmm. the more we can just step back and remember, I'm a soul. I'm a soul having this human experience. Let me make a commitment to, no matter what, the issue is not really the issue. The issue is how I relate to myself, how I go through the issue. And when we realize that, so much about what happened or what didn't happen, or whether I make money or whether I don't make money, it's, can I love myself through this, no matter what. The goal is not perfection. It's not about get on the spiritual path do my therapy, go to a coach, and never make mistakes. There is no perfection at the level of the personality. So if we're waiting to love ourselves, like unconditionally or fully, when we're perfect, it will never happen because the personality is always going to have its stuff. And it's okay, yeah. you know, what makes us part of what we are in this lifetime.
0: Is that what you call that zone of magic that I heard you
2: talk about? Is
0: that... I guess is that, that
2: you... <laughs> it's not exactly what I was referencing to, but it is magical, you know, when you... <laughs> And you really say, you know what? I'm going to love myself no matter what, all of myself, Mm -hmm. the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, I'm going to love it. That's when there's a space that opens up and then it becomes magical. You know What I found is sometimes we have to be aware of this trap. We have to be careful that we have to look at the motivation for why we are seeking to grow and evolve spiritually. Because sometimes in the desire to do self-help, there's this idea of we're coming from a place of not accepting ourselves. And, and so then we are beating ourselves up, got to meditate more, got to do more, got to visualize more, got to be more of what we think we need to be in a preconceived idea way. And what that ends up doing is in a quest for personal growth, we are not accepting our personalness where we are now. And in a quest for personal growth, we're driven by non-acceptance. I'm not enough. And so if I can grow and heal and transform, then I'm going to be enough. And that actually reinforces the not enoughness and keeps us stuck further and further and further. So how we go about transforming is as important as what we are trying to transform. How we go about transforming, the energy we bring to our transformation is as important as the thing we are trying to transform. And so I'm actually saying it doesn't matter what. What matters is the how. The how. The compassion. The loving. The kindness that we bring to ourselves and, and those around us, because I think every single human being is on their own soul's journey. You know, we never really know what another human being Is going through and has to deal with to wake up every morning. There are people that we come in contact with that are being a certain way that we may not agree with or acting a certain way that we might judge, but we don't realize that maybe they've been raped, beaten, abused, you know, taken advantage of that we don't even know and see. And there they are at the grocery store acting a little weird. Just the fact that they can wake up and not shoot anyone is in and of itself a miracle, you know. And so I think the more we can just remember that we are all souls having this experience. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we identify a bit more with our personality and we kind of forget that we're souls. And the gift we can bring others is a bit of mercy, a bit of grace Mm -hmm. to say, look, I see who you are, even if you don't remember who you are in this moment. That's so beautiful. Wow. Wow. Yeah, if we we really want to make a difference, making a difference isn't just ending poverty in, in Africa or feeding all the children in India. It's like the ability to like... Extend a bit of compassion and mercy to the person who was acting like a jerk in the grocery store and saying, I see who you are. I'm not gonna like attack back right now. I'm gonna turn the other cheek and I'm gonna send prayers and blessings instead of hurtful energy. That's how we can make a difference, you know, in those small Mm -hmm. ways.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about your book for a moment. You are the one.
2: All about helping people find their purpose and some of the concepts we're talking about today, going deeper into them it's a bold invitation for people to, you know, many times we, we look outside of ourselves, president's going to do it. My parents are going to do it. The government's going to do it. So-and-so is going to do it. And we, we end up waiting for someone else to step up and lead. And the book is just a reminder to say, wait a second, no, one's coming. No one's coming because you're here. I'm here. We're here. And we, we all have our part to play. And sometimes people say, well, can I really make a difference? I don't know. Like I believe that the world we see it is a manifestation of the collective consciousness of all of us individually combined. The, pro- the world is the projected reality of all of our consciousness. So as we look at, at the world, there is no world out there. There is a world right. here collectively that's projected out there. And so we can all make it. We may not be able to change the government. We may not be able to change the president. We may not be able to change you know, COVID-19. we may not be able to change all these things. But what we can all do is go, okay, what can I change within myself? What can I heal within myself? What can I shift within myself? How can I start showing up in my own life? Like I'm the one. If I'm the one, how can I start showing up in my own life with integrity? How can I start showing up in my own life? You know, we can say, well, oh, that president or that prime minister or that person, you know, they're a liar. They don't... where do, how can I show up in my own life and where can I start telling the truth? How can I start living the truth in my own life with myself? And that's what the book kind of designed to inspire people to do, to do your part.
1: I think the world would look like if we all did that.
2: Wow. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say perfect because I don't yeah. believe the world is meant to be perfect, you know, and that's perfect 3D reality. But I would say that I think if we all did our part and we all did what was ours to do, a lot of things, you know, I think there would be much more peace on the planet, you know, because we would start projecting onto other people. Like it's you, it's you, it's you. And we would start taking responsibility and cleaning yeah. up our shit.
1: You know, just like I'm going to teach you to brush your teeth. You know, we're going to teach you to love yourself and trust yeah. yourself and have acceptance for yourself as important as your physical care.
2: Yeah, they're, they're, look, if I can have acceptance for myself, then I'm much more able to extend acceptance to you. Yeah. And that's going to make a difference. That's going to create ripples in, in terms of conflict and between people, yeah. between communities, between countries It's going to extend It's going to create much more harmony, you know, rather mm-hmm. than rather than conflict for sure.
0: And now it's time for break that shit down.
2: We also don't owe anyone anything. I think what we owe the world is being ourselves fully. Mm. I think when we are ourselves, truly ourselves, not what we think we are, right? But truly our authentic nature. I think that's all we owe. And if we do that and we live in alignment with that, Mm -hmm. Life unfolds in the highest ways possible. You know, life is short. I think we have one opportunity to live this experience. At the end of the day, yes, we will all die. At the end of the day, you know, if Jesus died, Buddha died, Bruce Lee died, you and I are gonna die. <laughs> it's good. if Jesus didn't we're gonna, yeah. we're, we're gonna die. Okay, that's the it's a guarantee there. That's a guarantee. I know there's people saying, Oh, we're gonna live forever. Bottom line. So I think at the end of the day, when you meet your maker, you can't go to God and say, God, I kind of wasted those two years, you know, doing that thing. I really did. I kind of wasted those seven years in that marriage. I kind of wasted that time over there. Can I get a refund? Once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. And so I just would invite everyone to consider, like, what would it be to live life without any regrets? Yeah. Like, truly, mm-hmm. if you knew the date and the time of your death. If God said to you, you're going to die December the 21st, 2027, this is, this is your expiry date in this lifetime. Would that change how you're living your life? Would that change what you're doing right now? Would that change your current relationship? And to actually feel like, shit, if I had three years to live, would I be doing... What I'm doing right now and if you we can't really say yes I think it's a great opportunity to really reflect how can I bring myself into deeper alignment how can I bring myself into a deeper resonance with my deepest truth so that I could say yes to that question I think every moment of life is precious and yeah. tomorrow is not a right it's a privilege and so yeah. let's, let's live it in a way that is as regret-free, is as authentic as possible. And I think when we really live the truth and live our authentic truth, I believe that the truth ultimately serves everybody. When we live the truth with love, with compassion, even though it's not easy, it usually will then invite, challenge, or force others to self-reflect and live their truth also. And the bottom line, we are here to evolve as souls, you are going to die. Please meditate on that. You are going to die. Feel it. Meditate on it, yeah. and let that sobering reality wake you up to not waste any time doing shit that is not aligned. To not waste any time in unnecessary wallowing or victimhood. To not ah. waste any time living lies, because you are going to die. Sometimes we live like we have forever. I can deal with this in five years when the kids grow up. No, you can't. I can deal with this in 10 years when I... No, you can't because there's no guarantee that we'll be alive. to feel your death, not as a morbid thing, but as a friend, as a a wake-up call, as a deep reality to realign you, to to live boldly. We're going to die. And I think when we embrace that is when we truly begin living.
1: What do you have going on? Where can our our listeners find you and
2: get your book a couple of things yeah you can get my book you are the one obviously on amazon uh you can go there get the book it's a it's a great book kublax www.kublaxon.com they can go to my website there if anyone feels inspired by the conversation and you want to deep dive to the next level twice a year we had to postpone this year but twice a year i do a a 12-day deep dive transformational seminar called Boundless Bliss Bali. It's in Bali next year, July. We're doing events July and December. You can go to www.boundlessblissbali.com. Uh, for all of the listeners, I have a free three-part video giveaway. It's at www.activatingabundanceonline.com. I uh, just enter your name and your email and you'll receive three free videos there. And obviously Instagram and Facebook and all of that. Good stuff.
1: Awesome. Man, thank you again for coming on.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So nice to meet you. I really appreciate everything. I can't wait to share this with my son and with all of our listeners. Awesome.
2: Thank you both.
1: Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you.
2: We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.